This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Thanks for listening to the For the Campus podcast, where each week we sit down and have discussions about Christian faithfulness in the college campus. To learn more about City Church Tallahassee and our ministries, head to citychurchtallahassee.com. Well, welcome again to City Church U. My name is Hunter Levine. I'm the college pastor here. If you're new, we're glad that you decided to hang out and join us tonight. We are at the beginning of a series where we're walking through the book of Philippians. And if you were here last week, we talked about Paul's opening prayer and this prayer that he gives towards a church that he loves, a church that scripture teaches us that Paul actually helped establish, start this church in the city of Philippi. And he says that he prays for their love to grow in knowledge and discernment. And if you didn't get a chance to listen to last week, we're going to have it up on our podcast. But we talked about how it's interesting the link that Paul creates between love and knowledge. Because really, I think a lot of times when we think about love, we kind of remove knowledge and remove discernment away from it and say it's really more of a feeling. It's really kind of more of just something you feel in your gut. But what Paul is teaching us in the opening of Philippians is this, that our love is a result of our understanding of who Christ is and what he's done. So because we know that, we love others. And in order for us to actually love other people well, we have to have knowledge and we have to be able to discern how to go about that. Sometimes in life, loving someone well is just listening when they're struggling and going through something. Sometimes loving someone well requires us having a hard conversation. I look back in my life, some of the hardest, most challenging things that people have said to me in my life were some of the most loving things people said as well. And so Paul opens in this prayer, and what we see in the beginning is that Paul uses this familial language from the church of Philippi, because he loved them like family. And the church of Philippi was eager to hear from the apostle Paul, who at the time was imprisoned in Rome. I think about how excited I am to hear from my family. Even tonight, uh, my family stops by, I have two beautiful girls and a wife, and my family stopped by tonight. My daughter brought me this beautiful painting. We're going to have to, or picture, I don't know if you can see that. And we're going to have to work on this because she's got some gator colors going on in the sail here. And uh, I don't know who's, who's leading her astray there. But I love when my daughter comes to me and she says, I have something for you. I made something. I thought of you. And something that's really powerful about the letter of Philippians is this, that Paul is in one of the most truthfully challenging discouraging places in his life, locked up in a prison cell in Rome, and he's thinking about his brothers and sisters in Christ in Philippi. 
And before he even gets into anything with them, he opens with a prayer. And then he quickly begins to give them an update on his situation. But not only an update on his situation, but also he points us to the preeminence of the gospel advancing over all of our life, the importance of the gospel advancing even more than our current circumstances. And so I want us to see this tonight just to Paul writing to the church that he loves about the significance that the gospel, the message of Jesus Christ should have in our life. So turn with me to Philippians 1. We're going to start in verse 12. He gives them an update. He says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually advanced the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is because I am in Christ. Most of the brothers have gained confidence in the Lord from my imprisonment and dare even more to speak the word fearlessly. Now, a lot of people... um, we're looking at Paul in the early church, and there was kind of two groups of people who were looking at Paul's circumstance. One group of people saw all the hardship and trial and persecution and adversity that Paul went through, and it caused them to doubt. It caused them to doubt that God was with Paul, that God was good. I mean, if God was good, then why was he allowing Paul to almost be murdered on multiple occasions, to be incarcerated? incarcerated? I mean, why would God allow Paul to go through so much trouble? A lot of them were having doubt, and Paul addresses that in several of his letters. Some of it, it just led to discouragement, because truthfully, it showed how following Jesus can often lead towards challenging circumstances. But to many people, and Paul talks about this in the church of Philippi, it actually led them to confidence, to where they saw Paul's faithfulness regardless of the circumstances someone who came from a pretty easy, plush life, to now going through all of this because the message that he was preaching was so connected not only to his ministry but to his personal life that it led them to dare even more to speak the word fearlessly. And then in verse 15 he goes further. He says, to be sure, some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. These preach out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The others proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, thinking that they will cause me trouble in my imprisonment. What does it matter? Only that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is proclaimed, and in this I rejoice. Now, just like today, there were interpersonal challenges and issues that were experienced in the church and amongst God's people and with the world around them. And Paul addresses some of this, that there's people, they're trying to get to me, they're trying to caused me to be discouraged, to preaching out of envy. You know what Paul says? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter about me and how I feel in my relationship. All that matters right now in this moment as I sit in this jail cell is this, that the gospel of Jesus Christ is going out. And they tried to lock me up to stop it, but they can't. So he says this in the end of verse 18. He says, yes, and I will continue to rejoice because I know that this will lead to my salvation through our prayers and help from the Spirit of Jesus Christ. My eager expectation and hope is that I will not be ashamed about anything, but that now, as always, with all courage, Christ will be highly honored in my body, whether by life or death. See, to Paul, Jesus Christ is supreme over everything. 
the gospel going out is more important than anything else to Paul. It's more important than his frustrations, than his challenges, than his reputation. Over all of that, Christ is supreme. And in this passage, Paul packs in a lot of great insight about what Christian maturity looks like for those who belong to Jesus. And so we're going to get a look into Paul's mind. I don't know if you're like me, but I love uh, reading certain business biographies of businessmen. I've, I've read a few on Starbucks, Jeff Bezos with Amazon, uh, several other kind of business leaders. I like watching documentaries where I get an inside look at the mind of someone who's really intelligent or, or really interesting. Maybe you like listening to podcast interviews or watching YouTube interviews and just seeing how do these people think? Well, here's what we get to do in the book of Philippians is this. We get an inside look at how Paul thinks about mission. And importantly, how Paul thinks about his own life, even in the midst of adversity. And he's showing us throughout this letter is the mindset of what it means to be this, a partner in the gospel. We talked about that in the first week, right in the opening letter of Philippians. He says, I thank God for you because of our partnership in the gospel. What is the mindset? What does a mature partner in the gospel look like? Paul's going to show us this tonight. So there's a few things I want us to grasp. If you're taking notes, I encourage you to take notes so that you can write down these notes and go back and look at this, maybe have discussions with friends, city group members, and study it yourself. I encourage you to study Philippians yourself. One of the reasons we decided to go through this this fall was so that you could go along in your own time and study it and be, begin to understand it and apply it and pray through it. So here's the first thing I'd love for you to write down tonight is this, that we are all called to ministry. We're talking about being partners in the gospel. We are all called to ministry. Verse 12, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually advanced the gospel, our mission, our ministry, so that it's become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is because I am in Christ. We are partners in the gospel, not just people who partake in the benefit, which we do. We have faith in Jesus Christ. We are saved through that faith. So we partake in the gospel in that way. That's good news for people who can't earn salvation themselves. But we also are partners in the gospel as practitioners, as people who are supposed to go out and spread this good news. This is something important for us to understand that Paul is not just writing to a church leader. He's writing to the entire church that he sees as partners in ministry. So it's important for us to grasp that if you are in Christ, meaning that you have placed your faith in him for salvation, then you are in ministry. It's not like a premium, you know, upgrade your subscription, maturity, Christian thing, opt in, opt out. I'll just stay on the trial version for now. I'll deal with the ads, right? We're all in ministry. If we are in Christ, we are in ministry. And this is key for us to grasp now. It's not just for professionals. In fact, Paul would say this to the church of Ephesus, a very similar church, that God gave some to be prophets and some to be evangelists. And Paul's explaining in Ephesians 4 that people have different gifting and different roles within the life of the church. But he says this, to help the workers of ministry, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, he says in Ephesians 4. The idea is that people who are in different positions of leadership within the church, you have certain talents and skills, their goal is to equip the people of God for the work of the ministry, not to do the work of ministry for you, but to help you do the ministry yourself. So the first thing we need to understand is that we are called to ministry. So Paul's not just giving an update about his ministry, he's helping them better understand their own, their own ministry. 
and helping them understand that, brothers and sisters, don't be discouraged because even as I'm in a jail cell, what is happening to me is not stopping the movement of God throughout all of the imperial guard. See, I had all these plans to go to these places and do these things and teach, you know what? My plans didn't see their way through, but God's plan is continuing. You can't stop the ministry by stopping me. And Paul is saying that what has happened to him is solely not just referring to his imprisonment, but all of Paul's life. Shipwrecked. You can read about the life of Paul. Shipwrecked. Multiple times people start riots trying to kill Paul, trying to imprison him, putting him in house arrest. On and on and on. But he wants them to understand that this has not hindered the mission. It's actually helped the mission build steam. Now, there's something important for us to understand is that this is how Paul sees his discouragement and his challenging situation. The gospel is still moving forward. A lot of times when you and I face adversity or discouragement, what we tend to do is we tend to distance ourselves from the idea of doing ministry. Kind of try to say, you know, for me, this isn't a good time. I've got a lot going on right now. I'm busy. I just haven't really been feeling great. When I feel better, I think I'll, I'll get back into partaking in ministry. Um, there's just, I, I just got a lot going on. And when things get challenging, we, we often distance ourselves from ministry. And you might be in a situation where it might need to look different for a season from you. But what I want us to understand here, what we can learn from Paul is that in those seasons, those challenging seasons in our life, it's not to distance ourselves, but to learn to feel God's presence and maintain our faithfulness in it. I want to say that again. When we come into these challenging situations in life, things get hard. Rather than distancing ourselves away from being in ministry, what we need to do is in the midst of those challenging situations, learn how to feel God's presence and remain faithful in them. God's not changing. But sometimes we get distracted, we get discouraged, and we don't feel God's presence. And Paul, even in a jail cell, is praising God, and he's praising God that the mission is continuing forward, even though his plans have changed. So can I ask a question, rhetorical question, how is your ministry going? And I don't mean fruit. I don't mean do you have a lot of numbers that you can brag about this and this, and I, I just mean do you feel like you've been faithful? God has put you in an incredible environment to make disciples of Jesus Christ on the college campus and if you're anything like me when I was in college, and I was a college student here in Tallahassee, I had a lot of regrets because I wish I would have pursued more faithfulness. I wish I would have tried to share the gospel with more people. I wish I would have encouraged more brothers and sisters in Christ. I wish I would have served more people within the context of my local church. So I want to encourage you to see this mindset of Paul and for it to encourage you to live on mission now. So that's the first thing. The second is that ministry rests under God's sovereignty. Even though they're trying to stop Paul, God was using it to spread. And this is often how God works throughout the scriptures. I think about Genesis 50, where Joseph's brothers have sold him into slavery. And we see the story of Joseph's life and how ultimately Joseph has reconciliation with his brothers who sold him into slavery. He raises his way up in the Pharaoh's court. He sees his brothers again. He goes through this elaborate scheme to see if they would do that same thing they did with him. With the younger brothers, they don't. He sees that they've grown. He learned. He blesses them. He forgives them. He loves them. And he says something really profound in Genesis 50. He says, what man went, meant for evil, God meant for good. 
I think about the cross of Jesus Christ in, in the book of Acts talking about how what man meant for evil, God had planned for good. God is sovereign over all of this. He's not just sovereign over the things that go well in our eyes. He's sovereign in control over it all. And Paul is saying that even in the midst of his suffering and challenge, he knows that God is at work. Oftentimes we don't get to see exactly how that pans out. But what we're called to is not understanding everything that the Lord is doing in our life. What we're called to is trusting him. And this is what Paul is choosing to do. I praise God because I know that the message of the gospel is still going out. So what we have to do is then focus on our faithfulness and not our circumstances. How can I be faithful today? How can I be faithful in this challenging circumstance? How can I be faithful in this prison cell in Rome as my brothers and sisters in Christ are continuing to spread the gospel? And this is a beautiful thing because it gives purpose to every circumstance that we're in. It makes everything more purposeful. It makes everything more meaningful. Because even in the most challenging parts in your life, you can trust that God is at work. So the second thing we need to understand is that our ministry rests under God's sovereignty. The third thing that we can see from this is that ministry is challenging. It's hard. We're called to ministry. God desires for us to spread the gospel using our lives and our talents to do that. But it's a very challenging thing to do. And in this passage, we see it referenced in a few ways. One, persecution. People were coming after Paul, trying to ruin Paul's life at certain points, trying to kill him, trying to beat him, trying to imprison him, trying to stop him from sharing the gospel message of Jesus. So he faced persecution because he was in Christ. And it was hard. It was a struggle. He dealt with discouragement, loneliness, physical pain. Ministry can be challenging. We even see personal attack mentioned here. I know that these people are doing this out of envy. They're trying to get at me. Paul felt that too. Torn relationships. Other people having poor motive towards him. It's not unique to you and I. Ministry is hard. Not just pastorally. That's another conversation for another day. But personally, ministry is hard. If you choose to live for Christ and follow him and live on mission for him, It's going to be hard. But we need to work through that difficulty well. We need to work through that difficulty with faithfulness. To not get overly concerned about what everyone else thinks of you. To not get upset when things don't go the way that you want them to. To realize that there's certain things that you're going to miss out on because of your faith that stand in no comparison to the grace and goodness of God. But it's hard. It's challenging. We're in a series on Sunday mornings called Being a Fish Out of the Water. I have a lot of firsthand experience with dealing with fish. It's part of my family's business. My dad's a charter fishing captain. I can tell you that fish out of the water are not comfortable. Far from it. You don't have to be a fisherman to know that. Ministry is hard. It's challenging. This is why ministry requires two words that Paul uses in this passage. Courage in verse 20 and fearlessness in verse 14. Because if we are going to live on mission for Christ, it's going to be challenging and it's going to require courage and it's going to require fearlessness. 
That might be the courage to have a hard conversation with a longtime friend. Might be the courage to stand up for something on a campus setting. Or the courage just to even let somebody know, hey, I just want to let you know I've been praying for you. Or the courage to share the gospel with a family member. Or the courage to speak up and share something that you've been struggling with in your life in a city group. Or the, or the fearlessness that it takes for you to choose to live on mission for Christ in a world that says only live for yourself. Ministry is hard. When Paul shows us this, this is the last thing, that ministry is also joyful. It's joyful. Yes, it's hard and challenging. It's filled with persecution. But it's also joyful. I love what he says. Yes, I will continue to rejoice. Almost as if he knew what they were thinking when he wrote this. Paul, are you going to, are you okay, Paul? I mean, do you want to give up on this? Are you going to go back? You can go back to, to your easy life apart from Christ. It's interesting when Christ calls Paul on the road to Damascus, he talks about how much he'll suffer for Jesus' sake. Paul, you sure you don't want to go back to pre how you lived before Christ? No. Yes, I will continue to rejoice because I know that this will lead to my salvation. I know what I have in Christ. I know that ultimately I will see this fully realized. There's a sense in which those who are in Christ are saved right now, and there's a sense in which we will ultimately be saved in the end, that Revelation 21 tells us we'll be in a place where there's no more tears, in a new heaven, in new earth. So there's a sense that we're saved right now, and there's a sense where it will be fully realized in the end. So what do I say to people who are persecuting me? Wondering, am I going to give up? Am I going to keep doing this? Yes, and I will continue to rejoice because this is not the end for me. That one day I'll pass from this earth, but that will not be the end of my story because I will pass to be with Christ through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. My eager expectation and hope is that I will not be ashamed about anything but that now, as always, with all courage, Christ will be highly honored in my body, whether by life or death. And he's in a moment, he doesn't know what's to come. Pretty much all of Paul's ministry people are trying to kill him. And just like you and I, he wants to control circumstances. He wants to see his plans fulfilled. Paul, we, we see about Paul's plans all throughout the scriptures to go certain places and spend time with brothers and sisters in Christ to preach the gospel. But he says, you know what? Whether by life or death, whether they let me out or whether they kill me, I'll rejoice. And my desire is this, not to control the outcome, but to remain faithful. My focus is faithfulness. Ministry is not joyful because the things that we're going through are the people that we even get to do it with. Ministry is enjoyable because what ministry is centered around, or better yet, who ministry is centered around, the person and work of Jesus Christ. Paul never forgets that. I rejoice, not because of my plans, not because of my earthly success, not even because of anything that has to do with earthly things. I rejoice because my ministry is centered around Christ and to know Christ is to know real joy and real peace. This is why Paul goes on to say in Philippians 3 verses 10 through 11, my goal 
is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. My goal is to know Jesus Christ. And even in my suffering, I will know him more because I know a savior who suffered for me on the cross. So even in my persecution, even in my suffering, I will know my savior more. See, Paul has what, what I would say a divine perspective a perspective that's focused on Jesus, a perspective that allows him to rejoice. One of the things I love, once again, about my oldest daughter, she's talking and having conversations with me. She pretty much loves to do anything with me. If, If it's cooking, if it's being on the boat, if it's going on a walk, if it's riding in the car. Sometimes she'll get the choice, you want to ride with mommy or daddy. She loves, she loves riding with me, talking with me, singing with me. We have a lot of fun. She's, she's one of my best friends. And she often even says the phrase, I, I want to be with you. You know, at four years old, she doesn't have these huge preferences about what we do. Pretty limited view of the world and all the options that we have on any given day. But to her, what matters is that she just wants to be with me. I see this with Paul in the book of Philippians. His desire, I just want to know Christ. I just want to know him. If it's through suffering, then great. I'll understand Christ's suffering better. If they lock me up, then that's no worries because I'll trust him all the more because he's sovereign and to know him is the most important thing in my life. I just want to give you a few things to to take away if you're taking notes. A couple challenges. Number one is to begin your ministry now. To begin your ministry now. You don't need a logo, a t-shirt, a brand, a 501k, an LLC. What I mean by that is just seeing your life and seeing the opportunities that the Lord has given you and the talents that he's given you as opportunities to advance his gospel. That's what I mean by that. Every person in here who's in Christ has a ministry. Begin your ministry now. My second thing that I would encourage you is to to partner in ministry with others. Some of the greatest relationships that you can have come from doing ministry with other people. A few moments ago, um, I realized that even one of my college roommates, Nick Cleary, is playing bass here tonight. I've known Nick since I was in high school. We've done a lot of ministry over the years together. I can just tell you that some of the sweetest relationships in my life, some of the greatest friendships I have come from doing ministry with people. I remember sitting exactly where you were sitting, struggling with a lot of the same things that you were struggling with, but I chose to do ministry with my friends, many of whom are still great friends with me today. Three, I'd say practice faithfulness in all circumstance. I don't know everybody in this room. I don't know all your circumstances, but I know enough to know that for some of you guys, that's really challenging right now because you're wrestling with a lot of pain. And as much as I'd love to give you some sort of golden wisdom or advice that would make the pain go away or fix your problem, what I can tell you is this, that scripture teaches us that our goal in our struggles, in our pain, is is to pursue faithfulness. And through that pursuing faithfulness, we can rest in the fact that God will use it to shape us, to make us more like Christ, and to see him more clearly. So I encourage you to practice faithfulness in all circumstance. And the fourth thing that I encourage you to do is praise God amidst your ministry. To praise God amidst your ministry. Somewhere along the way, ministry became very cold. When we thought about doing ministry, we thought about just duty, just checking off a box and kind of fulfilling your weekly obligation. 
It's not what we see in the scripture. We see rich relationships. We see joyful celebration. We see Paul saying, I'll rejoice in the Lord. We see him time and time again talking about the joy that comes from knowing Christ. I want to encourage you to praise God amidst your ministry. Not just in how we sing, but how we live. And so we hope that you guys will continue to study this book with us together, this important letter. But before we go any further, I'm going to pray and we're going to sing one more song together. And we'll give you guys a little bit more information about what's going on. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for an opportunity to gather together tonight and to study your word. And we pray that you would help us to be people who even in the midst of suffering and challenges care more about the gospel going out than even our own circumstances. Father, I pray for that kind of maturity in my life and the life of these students. I pray that you would raise up missionaries on this campus who would be serious about telling people about you, spreading the gospel. Father, I pray for students who would be selfless in a self-centered culture, who in a world that's constantly telling them what to think and how to live, that they would be rooted in your word and that they would trust you. Father, we're grateful for this opportunity to come together tonight to study your word to build relationships and to sing your truth. And we ask that you continue to bless it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the For the Campus podcast. If this podcast was helpful for you, please take time to share it with others. Also, feel free to reach out to us online. Have a great day.